happen in our times together. Amen? Hallelujah. Go with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. I'm going to talk to you on a subject tonight that I love to talk about um, because I, I feel that it carries a lot of weight, carries a lot of answers to our lives and our lifestyle. Uh, tonight's message is titled, It's the Thought That Counts. It's the Thought That Counts. Anyone heard that before? It's the Thought That Counts. And uh, I want to talk about our thinking. I want to talk about our thought life tonight. And uh, here in Romans chapter 12, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says here in verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, so he's talking to you and I, he's talking to believers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. I want you to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. This is your reasonable service. And how are we going to do that? Well, verse 2 tells us, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. That means become something different. You know, when something is transformed, that transforming, that transfiguring of something is a changing from one thing to another. Uh, you know, we actually get to see this in operation. Um, caterpillars become butterflies. And there's a transforming that takes place there. It's becoming, it used to be one thing and it becomes another. And so this is what Paul is referring to. He says, but be transformed. But how are we going to transform our lives? How are we going to become a wholly acceptable service to God? A living sacrifice, he says. A living sacrifice. He says that we'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove. That word prove is actually translated in the Greek. It's actually translated allow. That you may allow what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. But be transformed, be changed in your life by the renewing of your mind. That changing my thinking is the access or the pathway to changing my life. And you've, you've heard me make this statement many times before. If I want to change my life, I have to change the way I think. If I want to change the way I live, I have to first change the way I think. If I want to change what I see in my life, I have to change what I think in my mind. Your mind is the domain. Your mind is the territory where life change takes place. See, you won't change your financial situation until you change the way you think about money. You won't change your uh, physical body in, in, in the sense of, of healing or sickness and disease uh, unless I change the way I think about healing. I won't change my marriage until I change the way I think about my marriage. 
the pattern of your life always follows the thinking in your mind. The pattern in your life always follows the thinking in your mind. And so Paul is showing us here that I need to be changed in my life. There's a transformation. And and look, guys, you're either transforming or conforming. Okay, you're either changing your life or you're becoming like what's around you. There's no middle ground. There's no, well, I just want to be me. And, you know, the world, the, the, especially our American society teaches that. Just be you. Just do what feels right. Do what feels good. Be your own person. And, and see, we don't even see the, the underlying attack of the kingdom because the kingdom doesn't say be your own person. The kingdom says be like the king. Become like the king. See, when you're a kingdom citizen, you reflect your king. You reflect, you reflect your ruler and your maker. And that's why, that's what God designed us to do in the first place, right? That's why he created us in his image, in, in his likeness. I mean, God wants you to be an individual. God wants you to be you. He doesn't want you to be a copycat of another person. But he does want you to reflect him. And so in doing so, we want to present our bodies. That's this outside stuff. Present your bodies. See, God's not just into what your spiritual lifestyle looks like without a product being revealed in your flesh. God's, God wants it all. We're three-part being spirit, soul, and body. And he wants the change that takes place in your spirit to be reflected in your life, but it has to go through the mind. All three parts come into play. And, and, and you know by now, we're not a church that just puts emphasis on one over the other. We don't just put emphasis on your spirit. Well, just as long as you've got a strong spirit, as long as you know a lot. There's a lot of believers that I've grown up around that have great intentions and know a lot, but don't reflect a lot. And God is interested in people that learn to do. Learn to apply. Learn to grow. Learn something that goes into their spirit, that goes through their mind, and is then reflected in their lifestyle. He says, I want you to present your body, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Does that mean we can live a life that's unacceptable? Something to think about. This is your reasonable service, but... If I don't transform my life by the renewing of my mind, I'm conforming to what's around me. So Paul's identifying here that my thoughts become my life. My thoughts become my life. And this is where I want to go tonight because sometimes we separate the two. Sometimes we separate the two. That our thought life, as long as we don't actually do it, isn't a problem. But what God's word shows us is that my thought life becomes what I do. (laughs) And this is the danger. My thoughts, if I settle on those thoughts and I think on those thoughts, I will actually begin to reflect those things in my life. And so we've got to make the connection and we've got to learn to shut down the thoughts So we don't reflect that in our life. So by doing this, we have to learn to control 
our mind, control our thought life. And notice that I'm calling it a thought life. It's your thought life. Your mindset is your thought life. Because there's life in here that will become executed through our lives if we're not careful. An unruled thought life leads to an uncontrolled life. An unruled, what does that mean? Unruled, unmaintained. An uncontrolled. And this is where we're going. And I want to show you that we have not only the ability, but the responsibility. That means I have an ability that I've got to respond to. Responsibility is ability that you respond to. We have the responsibility to maintain a proper thought life. We have the responsibility. Not only has God given you the ability and the power to control your thoughts, well, I just can't help but think about it. Anyone ever heard those words? Anyone ever said those words? I just couldn't help but think about it. You know, and then we also take it a step further. Well, I just couldn't help but do it. The devil made me do it. <laughs> Blame it on the big bad devil. The devil made me do it. Well, the devil made you think about it too, apparently. But we're going to find out here through God's word that we have the ability and the responsibility to maintain a proper thought life. And an unruled thought life leads to an uncontrolled life. Things get out of control in our lives when we don't guard our minds. When we don't protect protect what's coming in and protect the things that we're thinking about and shut down certain thought processes. And that's when we start seeing things get out of whack and get out of control in our lives. The mind is your domain under your control. The mind, your thought life, is your domain, your territory, that is your responsibility to maintain. It's your domain, and it's your responsibility to maintain it. Look at this. Jesus comes to the earth, the Son of God, 100% man, 100% God. He's got all the power of God operating through his life. We saw this guy walk on water, curse a fig tree, heal the blind, tell lame men to rise up, raises dead people back to life. But did you know that there's something that Jesus didn't have control over? Did you know that there's something that if you go through all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, there's actually one thing that Jesus could not change, and it was people's thought life. Of all the power, I mean, this guy's walking on water, telling storms to stop in the middle of a storm. Multiplies food. But the one thing he could not touch, the one thing he could not control, was someone's thought life. And God has no control over your thought life. God is not going to change your thoughts for you. God, just help me think better thoughts. God, just help me think good stuff. God, I don't want to think about that anymore. God, help me think it. And God doesn't touch that area. God doesn't touch that area. On the flip side of that, the only area in your life that the devil has access to is your mind. 
I'm going to show you something tonight. The devil does not have access to your body. The devil does not have access to your bank account. The devil does not have access to your children. He does not have access to your marriage. He doesn't have access to your favor. He has access to your mind. And if he can change how you think about it, then he can change what you see in those areas in your life. If he can change how you think about your finances, then he'll get access to your finances. The only place he ever attacks in your life is your mind. He doesn't have access to to put sickness on you because the second that you think right about healing, the sickness has to go. He doesn't have access to your bank account, but if he can make you think incorrectly about money, then he can affect, he can begin to work things. In essence, and the, you'll see this, that your mind has gates. And if we let him in the gate, then we let him in our life. And this is the danger, is because we think that, well, I'm just, it's just a thought. But we don't realize if we continue to sit on that thought and sit on that thought and sit on that thought, we're giving him access into those areas in our life. This is why... Paul says if you can transform your mind, if you can, cha- if you can renew your mind, you can transform your life. It's that simple. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Paul puts it another way over here in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, starting in verse 17, he, he goes on this list talking about your lifestyle. He says don't walk. Don't live like the Gentiles do. In the futility of their mind, is what he's saying here, the emptiness of their mind, they're ignorant. But you know something different. You've learned something different. You have learned from Jesus Christ himself. And he gets on down here to verse 23, and he says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. My righteous living and my holy living is due to what I do in my mind. Is determined by what I'm processing in my thoughts. He says I can put on the new man, which was created according to God. If I can be renewed in the spirit of my mind, my thinking, where I think. Imagine that we could have all this life change take place on the inside. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 tells me that old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm now a new creation in Christ Jesus. Now, how many of you realize pretty quickly after you became born again, that you still had to battle some old stuff. That it didn't just all turn around and become a bed of roses for you because we said a prayer. The change on the inside needs to now be reflected on the outside. And the way that that takes place is right here, Paul says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. I like to put it this way. Your spirit man is saved. Your mind is being saved, and your flesh can't be saved. 
So then what are we supposed to do with the flesh? Crucify it. Kill it. Shut it down. It doesn't have a say-so anymore. But all of that is determined by the mind. Some people like to call the mind the battlefield. It's where the, it's where the battle takes place, right here. Right here. This thing right here in between my two ears here. This is the battlefield. This is where the fight's going on. And I like the way Travis, Travis and I were talking about this one time. He may not remember. But I like the way he put it. He says, yeah, whichever one you feed gets stronger. If I'm feeding my spirit man through my mind, it's going to whip my flesh every time. But if I'm feeding my flesh through my mind, then my flesh is going to whip my spirit. doesn't mean that my spirit doesn't have the ability. doesn't mean that my flesh doesn't have uh, what's, what is necessary to overcome and win. But when it's all said and done, I'm feeding the wrong one. I'm feeding the wrong one. So we've got to be sure that we're feeding our spirit. And how do I do that? Through my mind. Through my mind. It's a battle. There's a battle going on. There's a war taking place. And whichever one I'm allowing to go through that gate is what's going to win every time. It's what's going to overcome. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. This is where the responsibility comes in. This is where the responsibility comes in. God wants you to win every time, and he's giving you everything you need to win. But he wants us to think on, think on. I mean, think about all the times that God refers to what we think about. In the Old Testament, he was constantly saying, remember, remember this. Remember when the Lord God brought you out of Egypt. Why? If you can just think on that, you'll win. You'll win in the future by thinking on God's past. You'll win in the future by thinking on God's past. He, 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 he tells us uh, to forget not all of his benefits. That's thinking, right? Remembering and forgetting takes place in the mind. That's what I'm thinking about. That's what I'm processing. That's my thought process. That's my thought life. God is very interested in what you put your mind on. What you put your mind to, right? Don't we all, don't we all use that, that, that phrase, that saying? If you put your mind to it, right? It's amazing that if I can just think on it, I can accomplish it. Well, it's no longer separated, guys. It's not just, well, I was just thinking about it. It's not a big deal. That's where those things begin to show up. I'm allowing that to take place in my mind. And I'm not just talking about sin. It works both ways. If I can get the word, thought, if I can give thought to the word and put my mind to it, I can see the word show up in my life. Rather than putting the world and thinking on that. You know, say you go to the doctor and they give you a bad report. They say, you got this. This is your diagnosis. Well, I've got an option. I can take that doctor's report and just think on. And guess what? It will produce a result in my life. Or I can take the word, the word of God, and I can get in here and find the, the scriptures. 
that talk about healing, that talk about uh, overcoming, that talk about what Jesus did, the stripes that he took on his back for my healing. He sent his word and healed them, delivered them from all their diseases. I am the Lord, your healer. Get in there and start processing those in my thoughts, and that's when I'll start seeing it reflected in my life. See, it's hard for me to say that the devil has direct access to my body when all I have to do is start thinking in line with his word, and I can whip it. Well, then apparently he didn't have access there because all I had to do was change my thinking. See, that's what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to change your thinking. He said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That word repent literally means change your thinking. It means to change your mind. To change your mind. He's saying, I'm, I'm coming, delivering a message of the kingdom, presenting to you a kingdom that's going to require you to think differently than you have been. Every time I go in this word, every time I read this Bible, I'm in a position of repentance. That doesn't mean I come and throw myself down at the altar and just start crying and wailing. That means, God, I am wanting to change my thinking today. I want to I want to allow the word to change the way I think. If there's something here that I need to adjust my thinking, that I'm not thinking in line with with your word, I want to repent of that so I can see the results in my life. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says this, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought, bringing every thought into captivity. It means you're binding it up. That means it doesn't have free reign. See, sometimes we give thoughts free reign. That it's allowed to run around and do things. It's allowed to just produce. It's allowed to just, uh, you know, take place in our mind. And this verse tells us to bring every thought into captivity. Notice it's not saying here, pray to God that he'll bring every thought into captivity. It's telling us that we are to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That means you make that thought your slave. It means you make that thought your slave. That it's that you are ruling it rather than it ruling you. You know your thoughts can rule you? Don't let your thoughts call the shots. I don't care if it's cheesy. It's true. Don't let your thoughts Call the shots. Don't let your thoughts dictate the results in your life. Don't let your thoughts determine what you're producing and what you're reflecting. You're not going to produce a kingdom life if you're not thinking kingdom thoughts. So, what I do with my thoughts determines what they do to my life. What I do with my thoughts determines what they do to my life. Do they produce things that I don't want to see? Do they produce things that are destroying me rather than building me up, tearing me down? 
Are they discouraging me rather than encouraging me? Are they pushing me towards my plan and to my purpose that God has for me? Or are they pulling me away from the plan and the purpose God has for me? Our thoughts. We have the responsibility to maintain a proper thought life. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Verse 6. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Amen. We determine what controls our thought life. We determine what comes in. We determine what goes out. You're the gatekeeper. Amen. You're the gatekeeper. We have the power to accept or reject thoughts in our mind. I want to show you an example. Go over to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. talking about our thoughts. We're talking about the responsibility that we have to control and maintain a proper thought life. I read a book. I've read it several times, actually. I don't even know the first time I read it, but Kenneth E. Hagin has a book called Right and Wrong Thinking. It's very powerful. And and I'm not going to get into the whole aspect of it, but there is a course that those thoughts have to run because what you think has to become what you say. And I'm just talking about the thoughts tonight. I'm just talking about the rejecting and accepting of thoughts. It's amazing how the enemy wants to change your mind about what God's Word says. It's amazing how the second you start standing and believing for something, something will come along and the enemy will say, see, that's not true. And what's he trying to do? He's trying to get you to repent from God's word. He's trying to get you to change your thinking as to what his word says. Someone will come along and and something will happen or something discouraging will show up because he knows if I attack the thought, it won't produce in their life. If they discover healing is for them and that God has supplied and provided healing for them and they think on that long enough, it'll show up. But if I can get them to think that for some reason God is mad at them or he's just trying to test them or it's all in God's timing. If I can bring up something that will attack the thought, then the healing won't show up. See, the devil understands the power of your thoughts sometimes better than we do. He knows if I can just get you thinking something different. And look at this in Matthew chapter 16. Verse 23. Now, I'm just going to give you verse 23, but just to give you a little backup story, you know, uh, going back to verse 13, Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And they all have their answers, but then Peter speaks up, and he says, I believe that you're Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. I believe you're the Messiah. And then Jesus gives the response and, you know, says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, and Man hasn't revealed this to you, but my spirit, my father who is in heaven, he's shown this to you. And I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And we know the whole bit. Whatever you bind on earth, bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loose in heaven. And so now we're getting on and, and Jesus continues on. You know, Peter just had this great revelation. But now Jesus says, now look, here's what's going to happen. Speaking of the kingdom and speaking of you being given access and authority in the kingdom, here's what's got to take place. They're going to give up my life. They're going to kill me. 
but in three days I'm going to rise again. He's going through the whole spiel of crucifixion and resurrection. He's given them the game plan of this is how the church is getting power. This is how you are going to be given the authority from my father. I'm going to have to die, but then I'm going to rise again. I'm going to defeat the enemy. Well, Peter doesn't hear any of that. All he hears is friend, gone, lost, no more. You know, he, he focuses on the negative. And so Jesus has to respond. And he says here in verse 23, but he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. And look at his next words. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. You're not mindful. You're not thinking what my father thinks. You've changed your thinking. I heard one, one pastor put it this way. We need to be interested in what God is interested in. And too many times we allow ourselves to become interested in something other than what God is interested in. And it takes place right here. He tells Peter, you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. You're not thinking the way my father thinks. You've allowed another thought process. You, you've allowed your, your, your thought life to be deterred from what my father wants you to think about. If we don't think on God's thoughts, we won't get God's results. Very simple. If we don't think on God's thoughts, we won't get God's results. Now, Jesus has handpicked Peter. He went out and called him. He found him. And he didn't just pick him because he was lonely and wanted some friends. Jesus wanted disciples. Jesus wanted someone to follow him, learn from him, and then go out and be like him. And Peter's thought life has become an offense to the plan. Now, Jesus isn't saying, I'm offended, Peter. You've offended me. Offense means a stumbling block or a hindrance. He's saying, Peter, your thought life is hindering the plan of God. You can literally stall and hinder God's plan for your life right here in your mind. If we don't think on God's thoughts, we will not see his results. We've got to think in line with his word. We've got to think in line with what he's already said. We've got to think like God thinks. And if we can get those thoughts, if we can accept those thoughts and reject the ones that aren't of God, then we'll see his plan unfold in our lives. You cannot be thinking your thoughts and still be interested in God's thoughts. We can't be thinking on God on 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 our own ideas and our own thoughts. You know the uh, the Bible tells us Proverbs tells us many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's God's purpose, God's plan that that will prevail. So we've got to be thinking in line with His plan. And our thought life can hinder God's plan for our life. 
So look at Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Paul gives us the answer here in verse 6. We've seen this before. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And verse 7 says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and what? Minds. Through Christ Jesus. The peace of God will... Guard our hearts and our minds. He's telling us here that our minds need to be guarded. That means that we don't just let whatever go in and out. That word guard there is actually a military term. And it gives the picture of a city that is fortified, that has a gate, and there are soldiers at the gate. Guarding at all times, at all costs. They do not let anybody in that that does not belong there. You have to become militaristic in your thinking. You've got to be, you've got to set up guards at the gate. We don't just allow whatever to get in. And then when the thought comes in, then we just allow it to run around. If the thought gets in, we have the responsibility to get it out. To get it out. Now, going back over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, you don't have to go there. But you remember it said casting down. And that always bothered me. How do you cast down a thought? You know, if, if I say right now, do not think about Pink elephants with blue polka dots. Do not think about pink elephants with blue polka dots. Don't do it. Don't think about. But how do you cast down a thought? How do I get rid of a thought? Well, he goes on. Look what he says here in verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, look at the next phrase, meditate on these things. Now that word meditate simply means to chew on or to think on. It means to process. Look at verse 9. The things which you learned and received and heard And saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. The greatest way to cast down a thought is to think on God's word. How do I cast down a thought that the enemy is trying to attack me with uh, concerning healing or concerning sickness in my body? Find the word on healing and think on that. How do I cast down a thought of lack and provision and the enemy telling me I'm never going to have enough and I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to get enough. It's never going to come in. How do I cast down that thought and allow fear and worry to be reflected in my life? I find the word on provision and I find the word on peace and I find the word on comfort and I think on those things. You combat the enemy's thoughts with the thoughts on the word of God. I go find it in the word. 
and I think on it, 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 and I meditate on it, and I meditate on it, and I chew on it, and I chew on it, and I read it, and I read it, and I hear it, and I hear it, and then I start speaking it, and I start speaking it, and I keep on saying it, and I keep on saying it, and then I start believing it, and I keep believing it, and I stand firm on my belief, and I have faith in it, and then it produces in my life. It's a process, yes. It's not as easy as hearing a word. Oh, yeah, I accept that. That's awesome. Then you become like in the parable sower where you can receive it with joy but still produce no fruit. Because when the cares of the world start showing up, deceitfulness of riches start showing up, now I'm not bearing any fruit. You know, over in, in Mark, the account of the parable of the sower, Jesus makes a statement later on down there, and, and the Amplified actually spells it out really well. I believe it's over in Mark chapter 4. And Jesus says this. He says, whatever measure of thought and study you give to the word is the measure you'll get back. Just paraphrasing. In, in essence, that's what he's saying. Whatever measure of thought and study I give to the word is the measure I'll get back. If you put a little bit in, the Bible tells us if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. If you're in the word every now and then, then you're going to reap from God's benefits every now and then. But if you're in the word consistently and allowing the word to change your thinking and transform your mind or renew your mind, you will transform your life. What you put in is what you get out. It's the thought that counts. It's the thought that counts. It's the thought that changes. It's the thought that determines. It's the thought that dictates what I see in my life. And so I want you to see tonight that we have the responsibility we have the ability and the responsibility to maintain a proper thought life. To maintain a proper thought life. I want to think it so I can see it. I want to learn it so I can do it. I want to meditate on it so I can become it. Amen. If you're looking for answers in your life, the answer is right here in your mind. The answer is right here in your mind. Do not allow yourself for one more day, one more second to think contrary to what the Bible says. If you're looking for an answer in your life, whether it's a physical need, whether it's a, a spiritual need, whether it's a financial need, do not allow for one more second a thought that is contrary to what God says to run around in your mind, having free play. Anybody ever realize that sometimes you start saying those words that you're thinking? Ever, anybody ever realize that all of a sudden you start saying, man, I'm not going to make it. Man, I'm never going to get over this cold. We, we, we talked about words. We talked about the power of our words. 
But those words are produced because we're processing something in our mind. It's impossible to think that God's going to come through and meditate. God's going to come through and then say the opposite. And the Bible actually tells us. How will they confess if they haven't believed? How will they believe if they haven't heard? How will they hear if someone wasn't said? There's a process to this thing. You know, you, you may have heard the term the eye gate, the ear gate. This is what determines this. Come on, if you're battling something, you've got to shut it down. That doesn't mean TV's wrong. That doesn't mean uh, friends are wrong. That doesn't mean Facebook is wrong. But there's times when you're battling something, you've got to shut it down. You're in a fight, and it's going on right here, and we're feeding one or the other, and that's the one that's going to win. That's when we might need to start closing some gates, start setting up some guards at the gate, and saying, no, we're not letting that in. You start talking to a friend and they start talking, you know, doubt and fear. Well, what's going to happen? Nope, I'm not letting that one in. Sorry, you're going to have to turn around. I have a responsibility to maintain my thought life. I'm not going to see it. I'm not going to think it. I'm not going to give it free reign. I'm shutting it out. And then you go in and you replace it with God's word. You go in you until you're convinced that his word is true. Amen? Father, we thank you tonight. We thank you tonight. You have given us power. You have given us the ability to maintain, to control our thought life. It's not out of our control. It's not out of our hands. We do not have to allow thoughts that are not in line with your word to overtake us. Father, I thank you that we cast down every argument everything that exalts itself against your word, against you. If it's not in line with your word, we cast it out. If it doesn't agree with what you've already said, then we don't think on it. We change our mind. We change our thinking. And we allow thoughts of the kingdom to produce kingdom results in our life. Father, I thank you right now. We do not allow for one more second thoughts that do not line up with your word. We'll take them captive. We'll cast them down. Bring them into the obedience of Christ. We thank you for this tonight. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen.